and amen. Luke 5, 36 through 39, and there's a parallel passage we use with it in Matthew 9, 17. And the scriptures will be up there on the screen, but if you'd like to write them down and look them up later, you're welcome to do, to do that as well. It says, No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins, and no one after drinking old wine wants new wine or desires new, for he says the old is good, and the context is the old is good. There's no need for new. So Matthew 9, 17, neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. Now, previously, last week, we saw that the principle to grasp in these two verses is that Jesus is bringing new wine into the church. And let's be specific, Jesus is bringing new wine into this church. This new wine is not something new as in the sense of never being seen before, but it is new in the sense that it is a moving of his spirit in and among us that is and will require flexibility to be able to move with it. In order to embrace this moving of the spirit, we can't hold on to the rigid, the rigid mindsets and traditional ways of thinking and doing things that we've been accustomed to. Just keep your eyes straight ahead. Don't look next to you. Don't look to the right or to the left. Just keep your eyes straight ahead because it's not about them. <laughs> we must be moldable and stretchable. Is that a word, stretchable? To embrace the move of God. In other words, we've got to be willing to get, now in context here, a new coat. The old coat was good for its day, but it will not suffice for the new season. It's necessary to get a new coat for the new season. We're not necessarily talking about changing the essence of who we are, but changing the manifestation of who we are to keep up with what God is doing in our midst. In faith, we must learn to change our clothes in anticipation of that which is coming. So uh, I used an illustration, I believe, last week, uh, talking about uh, uh, the, the church was getting together to pray for rain. How many of you know we haven't had rain here in quite a while? We had a little bit last night, but very negligible. So you're praying for rain, and so everybody gathers to pray for rain, and somebody comes in wearing a raincoat with an umbrella, and everybody starts laughing. They say, why are you doing that? It hasn't been raining. And they say, well, I thought that's what we were praying for. Yeah. Right. So it can't be... When it starts to rain, then I'll get my raincoat. No, by faith, we've got to get our raincoat because we're expecting and God has said there will be rain. In faith, we must first change in order to facilitate and see the manifestation of that which God has promised. In short, we have to have the new wineskin in place to facilitate the pouring out of the new wine that God said is coming. So we like to say it this way. Pour out the new wine, and then we'll get the wineskin. No, God says get the new wineskin, and then I will pour out the new wine. This week, we want to continue looking at the series of messages, a new season. And last week, we broke, a, we broke apart. I used the word new as a, a, an outline for last week's message. In the next six messages, I'm going to use the word season, and I'm going to take each word, each uh, letter, and I'm going, to, I'm going to work on the word 
a season. You've got the word spiritual up there. That kind of threw me for a loop. But <laughs> we're going to work on the word season, and so this week we're going to concentrate on the, on the letter S. So the first thing we're going to look at this week is the word, uh, out of the word season, the letter S, and we're going to define that as the word spiritual, all right? Now, the context, let me give you context. I'm going to be talking about the spiritual but we're not talking about all spiritual things because there are some spiritual things that we are not allowed to have access to. What we're going to be talking about is the spiritual that comes through means of the Holy Spirit. Okay? The kingdom of God is not a matter of meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to use the word spiritual, but we're going to confine that to the moving of God's Spirit. Okay? So in John 6, 53 through 63, the text we're going to use for this particular message Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last days. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Now, just like with us, many people here today, it was very confusing to the people back then. So, because the Bible says, Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught on, at Capernaum, and when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? In other words, we don't get what you're saying, and we don't understand, and it sounds weird. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. In other words, um, he's trying to bring a spiritual idea, concept, principle into uh, a, a realm, into the natural realm, and into a way that we can understand. So um, it, in this passage, Jesus reveals to us, and what we want to focus on this morning, is that the words he is speaking to his disciples, and if we are his disciples, he's speaking to us as well, are spiritual words. In fact, the words he is speaking are spirit and life. The importance and impact of the spirit are paramount for us in our daily walk with God if we want to experience what God has promised, and that is the victorious Christian life. And see, that's what we want. We want to experience the victorious Christian life. We don't want to experience the average Christian life. We don't just want to experience the minimal Christian life. We want to experience the overcoming victorious Christian life that Jesus promised us. In order to do that, we have to get a hold of what Jesus is saying. So the first point we want to bring out this morning in this and that we need to understand is that the spiritual realm precedes the natural realm. In other words, it comes first. John 6.63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. John 4.24, God is spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. 
in Romans 1, and, uh, actually Isaiah 40, 28, it says, Have you not known, have you not heard the Lord, who by the way is spirit, is the everlasting God, and God who is spirit, creator, uh, he is the creator of the ends of the earth. Romans 1 and 20. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. My point in giving you all this is for, for you to understand is that the spiritual realm came first. And then God, we will see, created the realm that we live in, the natural realm, out of the spiritual realm. Okay? So the scripture teaches us that God, who is spirit, created the world, the natural realm, out of the spiritual realm. And we see that in Genesis 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Now we get back to day number six, and in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, the Bible says, let us make man, that's you and I, and I was thinking about this the other day, everything we do seems to be the opposite of the way God did it. We want to believe, you, read, you watch Star Trek and all these other kind of things, they're promoting the idea that we're going from uh, one-celled uh, 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 amoeba and that we're going to become like gods one day. And the reality is that we were created in the image and the likeness of God, but we are not evolving, we are devolving and becoming more animalistic every day. God actually said, let us make man and woman, they're both uh, 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 included in that, in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You have authority over creeps. <laughs> so God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And this movement today that is making animals at a, on a par with God's uh, human creation is out of, it's out of order. It's, an, it's errant. It doesn't mean that animals aren't important. We're supposed to steward the animals, but they're not more important than people because we were created in the image and the likeness of God. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, all right? Genesis 2 and 7, Then the Lord formed the man of, uh, of dust from the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So the Bible teaches us that the realm we live in was brought forth out of the spiritual realm, and thus the spiritual realm precedes the natural realm. What we want to look at next is the idea, since, since the spiritual realm precedes and created the natural realm, the spiritual realm also supersedes the natural realm in importance. Hence, whatever the Holy Spirit says, who is the realm of the Spirit that we function in, and is, uh, whatever the Holy Spirit is emphasizing should be of supreme importance 
to Christians in whom the Spirit, Spirit of God resides if we want to live an overcoming victorious Christian life. Because the spiritual realm supersedes the natural realm. John 6, 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The spiritual realm preceding the natural realm, and it precedes the natural realm, and is the realm from which the natural realm came into being. That realm is by definition then the greater realm. And thus the spiritual realm should be the realm from which we live. Listen to what I'm saying. Well, the spiritual realm should be the realm from which we live. Jesus said, I say whatever I hear my Father, who is spirit, say, and I do whatever I hear my Father saying. So let me say that again. I, say, I do whatever I see my Father doing. I say whatever I hear my Father saying. Okay, that's, <laughs> just edit the rest of it out. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> Second Corinthians 4 and 18, since we consider and look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are visible are temporal. That's talking about the realm that we live in, brief and fleeting. But the things that are invisible, that's talking about the spiritual realm, are deathless and everlasting. Luke, that's the amplified version, by the way. Luke 7, 28, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he, Romans 14 and 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So while we were originally created in relationship with the spirit realm, we saw that uh, whenever God created Adam and Eve and he breathed into man the breath of life, he was breathing his spirit into us. When we were created, we were created in relationship with God because we walked with God in the garden. We, however, lost our relationship with God when we chose not to obey God and the commandment that had been given was the day that you uh, uh, cross uh, uh, my word, which is you shall not eat the fruit of this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God wasn't being mean. God was just saying, this is the rules, these are the parameters for you to be able to live in the garden that I created you to live in. When they transgressed the commandment, God wasn't being mean. He was just saying, this was the commandment. You eat of the tree of life, you live forever in this garden that I created. You eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you choose to cross over into that area of life that I said, the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Did God want them to eat from that tree? No, he said, don't eat from that tree. What did they do? They ate from the tree. When they ate from the tree, humanity sinned, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Adam was our uh, uh, progenitor. We all came from him, and that sin nature passed down to us. The wages of sin is death. However, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, we have been afforded the opportunity to connect with God once again through Christ's work on the cross. Because Jesus said when he was here and he talked to teaching a guy named Nicodemus in John 3, 3 through 6, Truly I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, he's talking to a religious leader. He's talking to someone that knows the Bible better than you and I could ever hope to know the Bible. Right? Now, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? 
Can he once again enter into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. We were all born of water. Everybody in this place today was born of water. We were carried around in a sack inside our mother's womb, and then that womb is a, is a liquid water when that water broke, then we were born into this world. Jesus is basically saying the way that you were born into this world in the natural realm, the way that you're coming to the kingdom of God is you must be born into the spiritual realm. Because we lost that relationship, we must be born again. How does that happen? Well, the Bible goes on and teaches us. When it's really not the focus of this message, but it doesn't hurt to tell us. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved what happens when i get saved you don't become a member of a church when you get saved your sins which you have which separate you from god jesus's death on the cross paid the price through his shed blood to deal with your sin your sins are forgiven and now you become a clean vessel in which and this is the awesome thing about salvation the spirit of the living god can now once again enter into your life and take up residence within us being a christian is not being a member of a church you can be a member of a church and be a christian but you can be a member of a church and be nowhere near being a christian and some of y'all go i know i've been to that church before no no <laughs> listen it don't matter where it is what's important is that you are born again you have an experience with God where the Spirit of God actually takes up residence inside of you. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, talking about what happens when you call on the name of the Lord and you are born again, you become a new creation. You are born again. You are born of water, and now you become a new creation. You are born of the Spirit. The old has passed away. The new has come. When we accept the finished work of the cross in our lives and we reconnect with God, our spirit man is regenerated and we have the capacity to once again be swayed by the spirit realm because we can hear from the spirit of God and we can heed the spirit of God as we seek to follow his leading in our lives. But I will say something to you. When you get born again, the spirit of God doesn't always speak to your mind. He speaks to your spirit and it brings illumination to your mind. The problem is the spirit realm doesn't work like the realm that we grew up in. That's why the Bible says to be not conformed but be transformed by the renewing of your mind the spirit realm says jesus christ is our healer and people can pray for you and you can be healed the natural realm says if you want to get healed you have to go through treatments you have to go to doctors and we're not opposed to that we're not saying that god can't use that but the natural realm will tell you there is no such thing as supernatural healing and so it wants to negate what the spirit of god wants to do in your life you have to choose am i going to believe what i'm hearing from god because we all have the capacity to hear from God now if we've been born again or am I going to believe what the natural world tells me and negate what God wants to do in my life yeah. 
You have to learn how to listen to and heed what the Spirit of God is saying in your life. And by the way, I just feel impressed to say this right now, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But um, some of y'all have been wanting to change, and you've been doing everything you can to change. You've been going to programs. You've been going to rehabs, and there's nothing wrong with that. Those things are good. We're not in any way saying that, that they can't help you. What we are saying is that you're trying to do everything that you can do to change the old man. And what you have to do is you have to become a new creation first. You've got to put the old man to death and become a new man or a new person in Christ. You've got to be born again. And then once you're born again, you have now access to a supernatural realm and a supernatural God that can do things in your life that sheer willpower could not do. So if you're here today and that's a struggle that you're going through, I just want you to know the Bible says not by might, not by power. And that means not by man's might, not by man's power, not necessarily by uh, lots of counseling and lots of teaching, not by any of that, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God's here today and he can change your life. When we accept the finished work of the cross in our lives and we reconnect with God, our spiritual man is regenerated and we have the capacity to once again be swayed by the spirit realm as we can now hear and heed the spirit of God as we seek to follow his leading in our lives. And that brings us to my third and last point. The spiritual realm is to sway, and I'm talking to Christians here, is meant to sway the natural realm. And I use that word sway because I'm trying to follow a, a pattern. Preachers do that, okay? The spiritual realm is to sway the natural realm. As Christians, we are to look to and live from the spiritual realm and allow the spiritual realm to impact the natural realm. We are to hear from the Spirit of God and hearing from the Spirit of God, follow the Spirit of God's leading in our lives. Romans 8, 12 through 14 says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the, by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And that, that word sons there includes uh, uh, men and women. But it's basically talking about when those that are led by the Spirit of God are more mature children of God. Jesus himself taught us to live from the spiritual realm to the natural realm because he said this. He said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, in other words, look up. When we're talking about looking up, we're talking about looking into God's realm, looking to God who is a spirit. Hallowed be, there, be your name. We recognize that you are above all, you know all, you are all powerful, you are all eternal, you are all uh, uh, knowing, you are all that. We recognize that. You're awesome. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. What's it like in heaven? I can tell you in heaven there's no lame people, there's no blind people, there's no poor people, there's nothing like that in heaven. I'm not saying if you become a Christian that you won't be, uh, 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 you're going to have millions of millions of dollars in the bank, but you're not going to be poor because the one who has all lives inside of you. You may never have lots of money in your hands, but the Bible says, I've never seen the righteous and forsaken or a seed begging bread. God will take care of you. And he, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Amen? So anyway, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? From the 
kingdom, which is the spirit realm, because the kingdom of God is not a matter of meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Thy kingdom, the spiritual realm, come where? In this natural realm on earth as it already is in heaven. So what are we asking the Lord? We're asking God that, that all that is in the spirit realm, in the kingdom of God, would begin to manifest in the natural realm. So we're saying, God, we recognize that the spirit realm, the kingdom of God, the realm in which the spirit of God is moving, is greater than our realm. And we want that realm to impact the realm that we live in. Yes, yes, sir. Amen. John 16, 12 through 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has, not some, not most, all that the Father has is mine, and therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. How does that happen? The Spirit of God will speak to you. When he speaks to you, we then embrace what the Spirit of God speaks to us, and then we begin to speak what the Spirit of God is speaking to us and live according to what the Spirit of God is speaking to us. Matthew 16, 19 says it this way. I like the amplified version because it, it, it brings it together a little bit better so that we can understand. It says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What do keys do? They lock and they unlock. Now remember, what we're talking about is letting the spirit realm have sway in our life. So we want to unlock that realm into our everyday lives. I will give you, so you have the, 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 the access. You have the authority to lock and unlock. And what, how does that happen? Whatever you bind, that is declared to be improper and unlawful on the earth, must be what is already bound in heaven. In other words, we look into heaven and we see, is any of this going on in heaven? Is there destruction in heaven? Is there sickness in heaven? Is there any of that going on in heaven? No. Well, why is it going on in the earth? Well, the Bible says, I've been given the keys in Jesus' name. So I take authority and I'm buying sickness and disease. I'm buying infirmity and affliction. Why? Because it doesn't match what the kingdom of heaven is like. And then whatever you loose on earth, that is whatever you declare lawful on earth, must be what is already loosed in heaven. What do I see taking place in heaven? I see healing. I see peace. I see wholeness. I see grace. And so I began to speak words that bring, that are in agreement with what I see in heaven, and I speak peace into a situation. Didn't Jesus say, when you go into house, speak peace to us out? What are you releasing? into your life? What are you releasing into your family? You see, this is important because more often than not, what we have a tendency to do is talk about the problem. And we magnify the problem. And we aggravate the problem. And we steal peace from the problem because all we talk, oh, oh man, it's horrible. Oh, you can't. Did you hear what they did? Oh, if I had, I had a piece of them, I'm going to tell you something what I'm going to do. That stupid doctor, he don't know what he's talking about. I'm going to give him a piece of my, I ain't paying them, I ain't going to. This is what we do. What we do is we magnify the problem. But instead of what we need to do is we need to look to heaven and say, what is heaven? How does heaven feel about this? How is God reacting to this? What is God's desire in my life? And instead of speaking the problem, we began to speak what it is that we see in heaven. We speak the solution to the problem. We speak grace. We speak peace. We speak forgiveness. 
He goes, well, I don't like that. Well, then you're going to get what you always got. But if you want to see change in your life, you're going to have to match up to what the Bible says to do. And remember, you can live a poverty-filled Christian life. And what do I mean by poverty-filled Christian life? You can live the way we've been accustomed to live. You know, division and, and, uh, and, and anger and hate and, and poverty and all these things taking place in our midst. We can live that way and still get to heaven. But I don't know about you. I don't want to live that way and just barely make it to heaven. No, no. I want to experience heaven in this realm. I don't, want, I don't want to live and have a seat prepared for the enemy in my life. Well, I guess uh, I, I'm going to get to heaven, but the enemy is just going to be there with me the whole time. And, and, and you know, but I'm, I'm still going to make it in, but he's going to have his way until I, I get there. No, I want to learn how to live a life. It doesn't mean you're not going to go through problems. It doesn't mean you're not going to go through storms. It doesn't mean you're, but you're going you're gonna to live life with the one that can bring any uh, problem under uh, um, uh, control through the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. Through the, through, the, through the words of God that He's given to us, we have the opportunity to be victorious through any situation that comes our way. Where is the Spirit leading and what is the Spirit saying? It's the Spirit first, then the natural realm. And we are to speak what the Spirit is saying, not what the natural realm is saying. We're supposed to speak God's solution to the problem, not the problem. It's the Spirit of God that determines the season we're in and the life that we're going to live. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 16. These things have been revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we, this is awesome, have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. He lives inside of us. Why? That we might understand the things that have been freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they uh, are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. By the way, you can be the smartest person on the planet, and, be, uh, uh, and the things of God can be folly to you. Because you're trying to understand them by natural means. But I want you to know that God's laws and God's supernatural workings are not folly. They are the wisdom of God. But the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. So we've got to learn how to embrace God's realm and what God says, even if it looks foolish to the natural realm and it seems foolish to my mind. Because what God says is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. And we want to live according to the principle that when I see it, then I'll believe it. God says when you believe it, you will see it. Well, that doesn't make sense to the natural man, but it makes perfect sense to the person that's eyes are on God. Okay, so anyway, the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct them? But we have the mind of Christ. As human beings, we were created from the spiritual realm and were given the capacity by God to influence the natural realm. That's actually why God created us. 
He wanted to have experience with us, but he also wanted us to understand our purpose and our plan. He actually created us spirit, soul, and body. God is spirit. God doesn't uh, uh, influence this realm the way you think he influences this realm. How does he influence this realm? By speaking to his creation that he created to be a bridge between the spiritual realm and the natural realm. God walks with us and talks with us spirit to spirit. We then process what God has talked to us about with our mind, our will, and our emotions. And then we have the privilege of bringing the will of God into the natural realm by the, by with our hands, with our feet, and with our body that he has given to us. We were created by God to bring the kingdom of God into this realm. We were created by God to bring the will of God into our families, into our schools, into our cities, into our nation. How do we do that? We hear from the Spirit. We understand that God's Spirit is prime, primary. He supersedes. He's supernatural. He, 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 he's supposed to sway what we do. As spiritual people, we are supposed to hear from God. We process what God is saying to us. And then by faith, we begin to walk out what He has told us, what He's speaking to us. And by coming into agreement with God and then living out what God has said, we then begin to bring the kingdom of God into manifestation in this realm. But see, we've only been focused on getting to heaven. He said, well, is that wrong? No, I want to go to heaven. Do you want to go to heaven? I want to go to heaven. But heaven is not our assignment. This world is our assignment. We've made heaven our assignment, and so we've forsaken the world, and we've forsaken our purpose. Our purpose was not to get to heaven. Our purpose was to bring the kingdom of heaven into manifestation in this world. How do we do that? By paying attention to what God is saying and by working and cooperating with God and then living out what God is saying in our lives, through our lives, in this world. If you will hear God and heed God, I promise you that heaven is not going to be a problem. Okay? The Lord said that heaven is within you. you. We can't hear you. God is in you, then heaven is within you. People want to go somewhere. You don't have to go anywhere. Enjoy the one in you, Christ Jesus the Lord. He is heaven. He is all things to us. What do you want to travel around for? You don't have to go out outer space. All you got to do is look within. Receive Christ in you. He lives and abides and has his being in you. Amen. Amen. That's what the Bible says. The kingdom of God is within you. Why is the kingdom of God within you? Because the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What happens when I became born again? The Spirit of God came and indwelt within us. We're not Christ, but Christ is in us. How? By means of the Holy Spirit. Why is the Holy Spirit inside of you? So that he can speak to you. He can show you what the will of God is, what the purpose of God is, so that you can come into agreement with it. And coming into agreement with it, you can bring the kingdom of God into manifestation in your life. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So let me wrap it all up. This is part two. We got 
five more parts to go. I'm not going to give you everything today. But Jesus is bringing new wine into the church. This new wine, somebody's got a prophetic word or tongue. I, I feel it. So just whenever you're ready, just raise your hand and let me know. So this new wine is not something new is in the sense of never been seen before, but is new in the sense that it's a moving of his spirit in and among us that requires flexibility to contain it. In order to embrace this moving of the spirit of God, we must be moldable and stretchable to embrace what God is doing. In other words, we've got to be willing to get a new coat. The older coat was good for its day, but will not suffice for the promised new season. It's necessary to get a new coat for the new season, and we actually have to get the coat if we want to see the season. In faith, we must hear what the Spirit is saying to us and then follow the leading of the Spirit when He speaks to embrace the change. As we have tried to make abundantly clear, in doing so, we must oftentimes change our clothes before and in anticipation of that which God says is coming. And I'm just using the metaphor. I'm, I'm following the metaphor. In other words, sometimes you've got to start living what God says before you'll ever see what God says. We cannot live according to the premise that when I, see when I see naturally the change in the season, then I'll change. No, in faith, we must hear what God is saying to us and change when we hear Him, and that's actually what facilitates the change. In short, we have to have the new wineskin in place to facilitate the pouring out of the new wine that God says is coming. Amen. Amen.